You're listening to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast with your hosts, Roy Mangrum and Jacob Basig. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. We're glad that you're tuning in today. Had a couple things that wanted to make sure that you were aware of. We are two more weeks remaining into the open tour where we are touring around to different boxes during their open competitions. Uh, it's been fantastic so far and looking forward to the last two weeks. We hope uh, to see you out at one of the boxes where we will be. Also, want to let you know, uh, Row for a Reason is just around the corner. I know that I'm already registered for a team and excited about that. If you'd like to know more about that, you can go to rowforareason.org. That's row, the number four, a reason.org for more details. Hey, and if you don't mind, if you enjoy this podcast, if you don't mind uh, leaving a five-star review and subscribing to it, that would help us out a whole lot, and we'd be really grateful for that. Well, you heard it right on the intro to this podcast. Roy is back in the house, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to have him back on the podcast. Hearing his voice and his humor was fantastic. But on today's podcast, we are joined with power lifter Wade Johnson. This guy has been around the sport for a very long time. Um, He's been coaching just for the last 20 years and competing before that. He's still competing today. Um, he's a very, very successful power lifter. He is one of the who's who in power lifting uh, with APA State's regional uh, awards. He's also won the National and World Cup of powerlifting. This guy has been around, knows what he's talking about, and he was a pleasure to have on the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, if you don't mind, subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. That would be really great. Thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, this is Rich Froning. You're listening to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. All right. Are you, you ready to join us? Well, I'm here. You, you got some Insta things? I you know. I'm just you. trying to make a dollar. Just trying to make a dollar. Got to pay the bills. All right. Somebody's got to pay for this podcast. It's, a, it's true. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Um... <laughs> All right, once again, welcome to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. Uh, We are at Barbell Voodoo International World Headquarters here in Thompson Station, Tennessee. Uh, And we have the one and only Roy back on the podcast, bringing the heat and the noise. I'm just drinking water. (laughs) Still here drinking water. (laughs) And today we are joined uh, with Missy. And Wade Johnson here um, from the Ogre Compound, and they have come out to talk about powerlifting today um, and join us for the podcast, and we're so excited that you guys are here. Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> Glad to be here with you guys. <laughs> That's good. I'm really excited. The conversation has already been uh, awesome, and we I'm sorry. The first I, yeah, hour and a half. I'm sorry you guys didn't hear it, but I didn't record any of it, so... Uh, we're just uh, chewing the fat, but uh, wait, I thought we'd get started with just the simple question of like, how did you get started in powerlifting and then move on to um, training all the people that you train now in, at the Ogre Compound? Early on when I was a kid, I would say nine, ten years old, um, like we were talking about earlier, powerlifting was televised. It, it, what they call the golden era of uh, powerlifting 
was probably early mid eighties hmm. into maybe the early nineties. And a lot of the people that, you know, we grow up, Roy and I would when we were getting started, you would see those guys like Bill Kazmar, like we talked about. You would see him, Larry Pacifico and you know and, and some of those early really great, great lifters, they were on T V and that's how I got exposed. Um and but but back then there wasn't the outlet. You know mm. that you that you have today. There was no internet or cell phone, yeah. or there. You know there wasn't really a lot of magazines or anything like that. So there wasn't a bunch of meets, but it was something. I was always enthralled and very drawn to strength. So I would watch anything, bodybuilding, anything like the early days of uh, Strongman when it would be on TV. Um, Don Reinhow, uh, Ken Patera, all those guys. I was just completely enamored with being big and strong, which yeah. which really suits me, because genetically my family is is very big. You know my son Wes, and mm-hmm. you know Wes in his early days was a really really big kid, and even though he's decided to stay slim, you know he's still five ten, five eleven, two hundred and thirty, two hundred forty yeah. pounds, and yeah. while that's not you know the behemoth size we've it's gotten accustomed, human. it's a yeah. it's a pretty big person. So that's how all that started. I wanted to, I got some, got my parents to get me a set from probably Walmart, like the diverse, <laughs> old diversified product, concrete filled. Because yeah. that's, you know. That's all that, it was that, back Well, then. the other thing too, if you think about it nowadays, like you and I, we have these businesses and, and, and a job and all these other things. And it's like, we have no money. But take a look around. Yeah. You know, money is much more prevalent, even yeah. for the guy that's just getting by. We still manage to have that internet connection in our yeah. hundred and fifty dollar to you know a month cell phone. And back in those days, money just wasn't as plentiful. Sure. So I would work, haul hay, all those kind of things that you don't do anymore. <laughs> and uh, I would save my money because you could get the Orbitron diversified product concrete filled plates mm-hmm. you could buy a 10 kilo plate and that was my big plate and uh, I trained in my bedroom I had one of those combo benches that had would the, adjust had and, leg and swing out the leg extension yeah. so you know that's how I started and uh, I kind of all the way through school did a few things athletic track you know that sort of thing and I always lifted but I was very involved in music, and this is something a lot of people don't know. Uh, when I lived in Manchester, which is mm-hmm. where Cell Block is located, um, I was in band and all that kind of stuff. And what'd you play? Uh, in high school, all through school, I played uh, orchestra instruments. Okay, played tuba, jazz trombone, baritone, mm-hmm. and because of my voice, I sang. Nice and uh, alto. Alto and Dino. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was one of those things that, you know, as a kid, you know, being such a young guy and could sing, you know, very, very deep, yeah. you know, that, that was a draw for me. Uh-huh. And so <clears throat> I went to college for a couple of years and I, I, I played and it, it's the typical rock and roll story. A bass player moved away. They needed a bass player. 
I had experience playing bass-oriented instruments, uh-huh. so I ran out and bought a used amp and bought a, a bass. Yeah. And like nine months later, I was playing club gigs, <laughs> and then a couple years later, I was out on the road. Oh, cool. So I traveled extensively for several years, and uh, I even I got I was published as a songwriter, and uh, which was a really cool experience that no one is going to care about. But just to quickly tell you, my publishing was done with Fame Music in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and it's a very famous studio. And uh, so I got to go in there, record this, you know, some stuff that I had written, and uh, that's where like. Um, Sly and the Family Stone are recorded. Mm-hmm. The Rolling Stones have, yeah. have, have recorded there. And the Almond Brothers. And the cool thing is that years later, I worked at KK's Music in okay, Manchester. Yeah. And uh, worked on guitars and all that <clears throat> kind of stuff. And one day this guy walks in and I'm like, I know I know this guy from somewhere. So we're talking and I introduce myself. It's Dan Toller. And for those that you don't know, Dan Toller... Played, he played in a lot of different situations, but primarily where you would know him from is the Almond Brothers. And then when Greg did the two solo albums, it's I Know Angel. If mm-hmm. you if you recall that song, mm-hmm. that's Dan playing the guitar solo <laughs> and Let the Bullets Fly. He just ran and just he, well, he moved <laughs> to the area. Okay, yeah, uh, so okay. he was there for a couple of years, and I played uh, in a couple of things, you know, and. Um, you know, anyway, you know, I'm out on the road and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of, we would work out, but we were trying to be in shape, you know. Yeah. And right. that's when I, I had hair to my ass and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures on the internet to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it got to the point when I got into my early 30s, I knew that I needed to make a change. I had been lifting. Um, in my late 20s, I was like, man, I really need to get in better shape. I was mm. playing in heavy metal bands and, you know, I wanted to be lift, you know, and sleek like all my counterparts. So I would run and I would eat yogurt and oranges and it was, I could run, you know, yeah. but it was, I was miserable. Yeah. I felt horrible. I got to about 235 pounds for about two minutes <laughs> and I felt terrible and the more I lifted the more my body would respond you know Mm. like when I was a kid and I'm like I'm just going to embrace this being big thing and long story short there comes a point where you're like you know I can't have hair to my ass my son is 12 he's he's interested in lifting and I need to come off the road you know I need to you know my job was getting to the point you know I was very fortunate that I had a full-time job but could still you know, go out on the road, and and I wanted to step up and and make more money at my job and mm-hmm. stay home more. So that that ended up working out. And a friend of mine that I worked with, I uh, worked at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center for several years. Um, Sam Weaver was a former ballet dancer and did competitive. Uh, it was inline skating. They raced. Okay. He had a friend. Uh, is it Mike Wayne? That owned the Gold's Gym originally in Murfreesboro. I don't. I don't know who owns it now, but we've run meets there. It's been that years and familiar, years yeah. and years ago, and he convinced me to go do a bench press meet there. Okay, and I went. I had no idea. That's when we, you know, these guys are coming out in bench shirts and they're huge, and 
you know, I, I think I like benched 325 that day, and I thought I was a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I met Anthony Clark there. Yeah. You know, I saw Anthony, you know, this is in the 90s. I saw Anthony reverse do a grip. triple reverse grip with 700 pounds. He put the shirt on in front of us. You know, and that was a guy that was kind of embroiled in controversy. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, he had duct taped himself. And I don't know if that ever happened. But what I can tell you, as I saw with my own eyes that day, take his shirt off, have help putting in back in those days, was it Enzer Extra High Performance Heavy Duty? It was the $100 wheel. Yeah. We don't always call it. Wasn't open the, back or anything? No, 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 no. It was a poly. It was that old nasty down. poly that, you know, would take three people 30 yep. minutes to put you in. All right. So, so what is a bench shirt? Um, you, you threw it out there. Right. And, and apparently it goes on like some of the people dress today. I don't know. But. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, there, there's been a huge... You won't see it at Kroger's. No. Oh, okay. okay. No. But basically what it is, it's a supportive piece of equipment that puts you under a, an extreme amount of, of, of compression. Oh, okay. Now, it's not automatic. It's not one of those things like, I bench 405, and well, I'm going to put you in a shirt, and you're going to bench 700 pounds. There, oh, I'd there's like that a skill shirt. level. Sure, of course. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's those people, there's people out there that you would see their raw bench and hit an ugly 405, and then you'd put them in a the shirt, and they'd bench 700. But it wasn't, it's not my name 405 with a shirt. I mean, you just whatever you got. I mean, right. <laughs> but but that, it, it's a piece of equipment. It, it's not as prevalent today. Um, like when Roy and I came up in the sport, you never saw a raw lifter no. every now and then. Okay. But you didn't see many female lifters either. No. It was, it was, uh, it was knucklehead. It is, is really come full circle. Okay. And, uh, Nobody but, watching either. No, no. <laughs> if um, they were there, they had to be there because right they, because they were a spouse, spouse or a or parent or yeah. teammate. Yeah, but uh, but that's you know it's supportive equipment. It puts you under an extreme amount of compression. And in those days, you know, if you got forty pounds out of a shirt, you yeah. were pretty excited. Yeah, and uh, it, it's nothing like the equipment of today. But it also requires a higher level of skill to use that equipment. Okay. So that hopefully that that explains that. Yeah. Um, from there, once once I once I met Anthony and saw that saw the meat, I was I was in. Oh wow! And it was something that my son was always interested in being big and being strong. And um, he actually went with with me. Um, I picked him up. I kept him out of school. And we went to my first ever powerlifting meet. We, I didn't have a clue. I had no idea. I had like a single ply Z suit. Mm-hmm. I think I had the what they called the seventy dollars shirt was the high performance heavy duty shirt, and I was terrible. Uh, and I used a squat suit to deadlift in. And I I want to say my <clears throat> first meet, I totaled fifteen thirty five ish. I squatted. I broke 600 pounds for the first time. And back then, you know, in the 90s, a 600-pound squat was considered yeah, pretty good. good. Yeah. I benched 363, and I pulled 550, 560 area. And uh, and I won a, you know, a division, and I broke some state records. And and that's, that's exactly, you know, from then on, I... My shaped my entire life. Yeah, around the they sport. just fueled the fire right there. Yeah. So, 
Um, what you learn early on in a commercial gym setting is that they're not always powerlifting friendly. Now, I mm-hmm. have been very blessed in all the places that I've trained that they've, you know, they've been supportive of it. And uh, as time went on, like I, w- I bought a deadlift bar, you know, as an example, and they'd let me keep it in the gym. Mm. But you learn quickly um, that the commercial setting is not ideal for real strength training. Yeah. And, and that, that's another thing that has changed. You know, you've got this proliferation of gyms. As an example, uh, Planet Fitness. Mm. Or got there once. It was I a can, terrible experience. <laughs> well, now I've got my own personal views of that, and I don't yeah. have to go into that, you know, but by the same token, there are people, they don't want to be me, they don't want to be her or mm-hmm. any of you guys. They just want to go work out. Sure. And whatever they do, and they pay their or dinner. kill an hour, as I would say. Right. They're not yeah. working. Out. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm fine with it existing and people doing it. It's just not not my deal, you know. You know and that's fine. And 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 I think a no judgments, you know, zone is is BS in my opinion yeah. because clearly I can't go in there and work out because if I yeah, yeah. Burp, yeah. burp or fart or grunt <laughs> yeah. at the same time you know, yeah. you're out then I'm you the know, light the comes on. Yeah. goes and I'm out well I would consider that judgment but that's yeah. that's a debate for another day <laughs> but uh, you, you, you see in so those strange. settings that it's it's they have just a name not, for it I can't remember the name for it it's the lunk, lunk, lunk alert lunk that's what yeah. it is yeah like I said I just was in there once and yeah. I kept like, waiting for it because I like dropped some dumbbells at one point. I, I dropped a dumbbell right beside me, and it was louder than I thought. Like I just went. I mean, it was like a couple inches off the ground, and I just dropped it and was sitting up, and and I was like, oh, oh. I looked at the light. I was like, is the thing gonna flash? I got kicked out. Can I get a refund on my ten dollars? Oh, no. So I knew that I needed to ultimately have a place that the the people that I trained with, um, yeah. the genesis of the group. Um, I don't know if you remember Jim Ingram or not. He was around in the days of uh, Doc Crease and all those guys, you know, Chuck and both the Chucks and stuff like that. And uh, I was introduced to him by Pete Peden. And these are names that a lot of people aren't going to know, but Pete Pete recently passed away. He was in his 80s. He gave me my first, you know, some plates. We ran a meet, an APA meet. At Friendship Christian out uh-huh. between Mount Juliet and Lebanon as a private yeah. school, Chris Gaines was the athletic director, mm-hmm. strength coach, and wanted to have a meet. And not Garth to... Brooks. No. no. <laughs> you remember he did that alternate character. Oh, there's okay. some good songs. Yeah, I remember that song. He knew where I was. Right. Yeah. I was lost. Yeah. Sorry. I'm lost in most of this powerlifting stuff, so I just, you know, right. just wanted to make y'all feel aware. But, <laughs> Wait, I know some random Garth Brooks trivia. Remember that time he dressed up as someone else and called himself something? Yeah, right. There you go. The really weird Chris Gaines thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got it. And feathered yeah. hair, like it was black. Yeah, even which black. was not even his hair, right? At he all. He didn't have any. <laughs> and he had that whole spooky kind of sensuous and being intimate. But yeah. I'm intense as well. Yeah, it was so, it, it was all of that. I am so lost right now. <laughs> this is something you must Google. Okay. Because yeah. when you hear he had like one specific hit, and when you hear this, you're gonna like go. I, I'm sorry, mm. but it's a great it's a great song. Okay. Anyway, I'm so I digress afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, 
So you learn real quickly that you've got to have a place to train. And so yeah. in the late 90s, I was introduced uh, to Jim Ingram from Pete Peden, and, and they were involved in, in how we put the group together early on. And I just started buying equipment because we had places that we could train. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually, I bought a house in Mount Juliet, which is where the Ogre Compound is located. And about, I'm fast-forwarding real real quickly now, about 2009, okay. I added 500 square feet or so to both the gym and, and my house. And when I got all that built and dried out and wired and floored, we just we moved in and started training there full time. So your equipment previously you were buying, you were storing at other places. I was storing. Well, we, I had a uh, the if you've ever seen video or pictures, I have about seventeen hundred seventeen hundred and fifty square feet. The center part of the of the basement is what I had. We I had a monolift in there, okay. a power rack, some dumbbells, and a few machines, and uh, we would we would train in there. We would squat and I do a decline press as a second bench thing and that's that's another conversation. Yeah. Well I've, you've had some videos of that of some of the ladies that are powerlifted and I don't remember what, you know who's who or whatever but I, I, I saw that right and that was new to me. Right. Well and it's some of it, it it's 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 no it's no different than some of the uh, unorthodox things that you see other people doing. Um, it's just not popular. Like yeah. people forget, Louis very, very unorthodox. The West Side yeah. barbell mm -hmm. template is very unorthodox, but it's become mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, which hey, great for and, and and I can go on and on about you know Louis and and all those things. Louis's a great guy, and and I always enjoy getting to hang out with him. Yeah, and I'm not by no means am I saying that some of the things that I do being an orthodox makes me like Louie, but it's one of those things where it's it's something that we do that is not of the norm that we have found that works really yeah. well for us that, and we've been very successful with. Anyway, we uh, the center area is where I kept all that, and when I first bought the house, you couldn't even use the area that we bench in when you see the videos. The drainage was so bad, um, and it, somebody had roomed it up and I can go into the there let me tell you a quick short story <laughs> they had a bedroom and then there was a hallway behind the bedroom in the back part of the gym and I lived in the house for two weeks before I realized because there was no lights in the hallway which I thought was weird but I like I'll address that yeah. I've got enough on my plate yeah there's a door I went in there with a flashlight there's a door and there's a room Behind, I thought it was just a short. You know, some of the some of the old houses from the '80s when they built the basement, they wouldn't just square it up. It's like I'll just get it to where, you know, it's it's safe, and I'm going to just block it up. However, sure. it is. Yeah. Turns out there was like another ten by twelve room back there. Oh. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, you, you, you got all these right like where they were that's shooting right. snuff yeah. films in here. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. the yeah. hell is going on? And so when I when I started working on the first thing I had to do was uh, I probably put fifty pounds of hydraulic cement in those walls, Jeez. and we did the drainage outside, and and it's something we have to address all the time. And uh, I when I started abating all that wood, that short twelve foot wall, I pull the skin off of it, the drywall. There is 
in a 12-foot wall, there's four dedicated circuits. And I was like, this, I was very quizzical, if you will. And so I looked up into the bead. There's a hose bib and a refrigeration line that's eighth inch, you know, water supply and a ball valve. And I was like, these sons of bitches had a hydroponic machine in here. We're growing dope. (laughs) So when I started, so when I started pulling all that stuff out, you could see they, in that hallway, they had strings and I would find like coat hangers cut Uh a hook and a hook. And I was like, what the hell, you know? Well, what they were doing is they'd cut the plants and they would dry. Hang yep. it to dry. Holy yep. shit! <laughs> so you know, I, you know, That's I, crazy. but there was so much what they call uh, greenfield or BX wiring. It's in that braided conduit. Mm-hmm. I terminated it back all the way on the far side of the of the house at the time. And that's what all the lighting you see didn't exist. I wired that a majority. I bought one one hundred foot spool of the. Of it was the all that old wire. All that old because I, you know, it was fifty feet four circuits. Yeah. yeah. You know so, but that, you know, but you you know the things you know that you find. So <laughs> it, it was it was a couple of you know a process, and once I got that all cleared out, I added onto the house and. So in the front part, the addition is where we squat and we did lift and we Olympic lift and I have some machines. The center part, dumbbells, and we have three power racks and there's other machines and some cardio gear. And the back is the, the bench area. And it was just one of those things where we do such a specialized thing. This is before, you know, I could probably throw a baseball from your garage and hit a CrossFit box somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it is now. I think we've got a... Like in, I live in Mount Juliet. I live right off of Mount Juliet Road. Oh yeah, there's one right so there. Yeah, you yeah. get you get off Dude. the interstate. There's CrossFit BNA. Yeah, oh, BNA. and then CrossFit. Mount Juliet yeah. CrossFit. Mount Juliet. Well, CrossFit. well right apparently there's another one that is right on division. Oh, there is, there is. And uh, then, well, I know you go. There's that re- three star. remove yeah. or re three stars off on Weevil Road down there. So, like in a, in the span of getting off the interstate. And going to Lebanon Road, and you, if you take a left on Lebanon Road, there's that gym. And it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it CrossFit, but they have that orientation. Graves, Graves is no longer. What? Guy closed that. He has the gym in, in Lebanon. Because I used to, we used to train it at, uh, okay. the last commercial place I trained was at Guy's. And we would train there part-time, and then i trained some, okay. you know, coach some people there. Mm. So, you know, you don't, you didn't have, when I built the gym, the 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 outlet of places that you do now yeah and um which worked better for us i mean we can that way we can do the specialized work yeah that we need to do and that you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars later and you got a private gym (laughs) (laughs) is that easy is that easy (laughs) overnight you have this really cool place to train so why powerlifting What, what what's distinctive about that as compared to bodybuilding or olympic weightlifting um what I think with with bodybuilding, and I'm going to say this up front, that is not my cup of tea. But the people that do that, the the dedication and the and the work you have to put in, because like you know, I haven't eaten. We ate breakfast at nine o'clock, and I've had a couple little Scooby snacks, 
and I'm kind of pissed off. I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I'm like nursing this monster. Like yeah. this is gonna last me until we get done, and we're going to get something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and I've had friends that are that are pro bodybuilders, and 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 it seems to be tougher on the women. This is not a sexist comment. It just seems to be that way, where it was comforting to them to email me what they had eaten. And by talking about it, even via email, they were less insane about it. Okay. So all the things that you have to go through, I'll tell you this great story. Uh, Barbara Steele has won Miss Tennessee at least once. Mm -hmm. She's a lifter that I trained with. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Gaines brothers, uh, Brad, uh, Chris and and uh, Jeff and and those and Greg for that matter, but three of the brothers have owned that gym. It was Gaines Fitness, and and I trained there for years and years and years, and that's how I met uh, Barbara. She and I are good friends, and she was getting ready for the contest, and she messages me. She goes, "This is going to seem odd, but I need your help." And I'm like, "Well, of course, you know, I need you to help me pin my posing suit." Okay, you know, I'm like, whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, you know, it's like we were talking about if, you know, I had no, I love Barbara, but, you know, it's like, she needs me to help her. I got to stay focused on the task at hand. Is she an attractive woman? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nonetheless, I go over there and she's dieting for the Tennessee and she's tiny. She's five feet tall, maybe. Okay. And she stays in great condition year-round, but she's cutting, so she's already pissed off. So I'm just trying to... And she's like a, this high black belt in karate. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like I, you know, I'm this big, hulking human, and I like my chances with just about anybody. Yeah, sure. You know, I grabbed her up one day, and I go, so what do you do if some big, strong guy <laughs> like me grabs you and has you like this? And within about a half a second, she hits me just to the right of my groin. She goes, I just wouldn't hit you there. Fair enough. And I'm like, right. touche. <laughs> so this is someone that it would be very embarrassing. You know, she'd probably kick my ass. But, uh, so what we're doing, and I don't know if you're familiar, these posing suits that these girls have been wearing in the last 10 years, they barely cover their personality, yeah. you know? So personality, and, <laughs> and so you have this. The, now it's not like a typical safety pin that you and I yeah. could use. These are these little brass. I guess they're like ah, oh, forget about for, it. So you can mark it. I well, know exactly look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bear claw. And this is when I was you. Met, you know, because like I tell her all the time, you should have seen me when I was big. Because yeah. he's not big right now. Well, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm yeah. a big guy. He's a big dude. <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm with you. Like, my, my girls would be like, "Well, you put this necklace on me," and I'm like, "My hands cramp up. Like, I can't, I can't manipulate well, you." Start something sweating, that small. And, you know. So <laughs> start sweating. So she's she's dieting, you know. So it is like hot in her house, and and she has a singular ceiling fan that's doing, you know, like the old saloon. Uh, oh gosh. So she's so little. That I have to get on my knees because I have to pin the strap that's covering her top. Again, here's my hands. Mm -hmm. And I have this little, you know, <laughs> God only knows what level of black belt in martial arts, karate and all that, whatever. 
and I have these little brass marking safety pins that I can barely get open. I, I have to be very careful because I don't want to slip one and feel of her boob. Because yeah. it's right here in my eyeball. <laughs> Nor do I want to slip and poke her with that. <laughs> Sweat is just pouring off of me. Oh my so, God. but you know, kudos to her because she, you know, she felt comfortable with me. You know and that, yeah. and, and 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 while it's a funny story, being a coach and and owning a gym, and and some of my history, I've really championed. Feel like I have championed the cause of women in powerlifting. Yeah. And so, the big the big thing when you're when you're coaching, if I coach you, if I slap you on the butt, we laugh. Yeah, ah, ha, ha, yeah. Ha. You know, and I can say certain things to you like That's you're hard. a little pussy. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, quit. You know, yeah. yanking around, you little jerk. Before I yank a knot in your yeah. ass, I I can't always talk. There are moments that you can be. That, that's not to say that's not to say that they're softer because they're not. But yeah. a lot of times your approach. It needs to be different. Sure. And, and so the big thing is to to have a relationship like that with female lifters, it requires trust. Yeah. I walk in the door because I'm a big son bitch. You guys are like, well, yeah, I'm listening to everything he says. A woman is going to scrutinize that a little yeah. more. Mm-hmm. And justifiably so. That's the world that we've created. Sure. So anyway, I, I digress. But that's... That's how all that came to be. So you're talking about bodybuilding. I think the thing that's dramatically different, clearly for people that are doing this, even at the state level, Mm. they're strong. They work extremely hard. That sport is very, very subjective. And you could say, well, so is judging in powerlifting or Olympic lifting or whatever the case may be. But we all have seen results of the Mr. Olympian go, well, what the hell were they looking at? It's a... They're they're both subjective, but I think you could take, I could show Jacob two videos, and go which guy squatted deeper. Oh well, this guy on the left, you know, and I can say all right, these two guys on stage or these two girls on stage, which one's in the best shape? Right, That's and you're and you're going to get a lot of different answers. Yeah, and so you know you're and you're not showing off physical strength. <laughs> You're showing off. Usually, yeah. the people, especially at the highest it's the level, the form and look, of right? The body, yeah. It is probably one of the least athletic events. Now, yeah. I mean, posing is really hard, and I, I've seen I've seen guys in practice cramp up, and oh yeah, because they're in such a state of. I know I'm on in the mirror. I'm getting out of the shower, <laughs> and like you got to be careful. Yeah, I can't leave my arms you up know, that long. Right. You know, I just can't do it. So, so uh, maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. No, no, <laughs> okay. no. It's, Sometimes you got a glimpse, and you got to like you know you got to kind of bow up a little bit and what see how that? that's going. What was yeah, that I, saw? I like what I'm seeing. I don't know. Is that nab? No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. So, so you see the the, the, the subjectiveness of, of yeah. bodybuilding is very very much more dramatic. Where with with the strength sports, the, the the thing that I like about powerlifting is it's one of those things that while it, it it's doesn't seem like a very precise sport, you know, and there's that hardcore aspect of it. To be really good at it, you you, you have to be very precise. Sure. And so... I mean, you, you can't walk up to a bar and move a thousand pounds. Right. I mean, that, that doesn't come. Um, but, like, it, what would be the distinctive difference between, like, something that, that would be very, you know, foggy for me to look at would be Olympic weightlifting as compared to powerlifting. Like, 
what, 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 why, well, how are those different? You know, other than like the types of lifts that are involved, like is there? I would say the, the speed, the speed and dynamic orientation of weightlifting okay. is very, very dramatic. That becomes even more important um, over over just brute strength. Sure. Um, now it helps because mm-hmm. rarely was I ever the best weightlifter. Um, years of powerlifting and years of strongman uh, in my size. Uh, when I'm down around 300 pounds, of my agility is a lot better, and so is my flexibility. Sure. Um, but at my current size, and when I was really big, it, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to move and and do so in a manner um, with the technique. Technique okay. is is at the premium. Being fast and your technique being being spot on, you can get away with some ugliness in powerlifting that you simply wouldn't be able to get away with in by and large in Olympic weightlifting. Okay. And in strongman, what you learn, you see these guys picking up all these odd things. Yeah. But it, it technique comes into play play just like with powerlifting. Yeah. And but you gotta have that brute strength, just like just like with powerlifting, in my opinion. Whereas you may not be the strongest guy on the platform in Olympic weightlifting, but your technique is yeah. better, and you you got speed when it counts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is it that that's to me is the biggest difference. Gotcha. No, that's good. Yeah, the uh, the strongman stuff. I'm completely fascinated with all the strongman things. I just I just am. Like I, I if I had the things that I could just walk out and you know like I've I've been out places working and be like now we can lift that. You know, like, like, like that sounds exciting to me. You know, and everybody's like, I don't think, I don't think, nah, we got this, you know? Like, um, so that, that's really fascinating. Do you do a lot of that at, at the compound? Do you? We have, over the years, we, we have invested more and more. And Melissa and I started uh, competing to compete at nationals. Um, and so we have invested more and more in equipment. We, I've had yokes and stuff like that. Sure. Um, we have several different types of farmer's walks. Uh, yeah. There's, what, 15, 20 stones out there, maybe. Yeah. I saw the stones in one of your yeah. pictures, right. and I was like, yeah, I need to go out there. He has, I mean, like, <laughs> six of everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, it's just one of those things. I have gym envy. Yeah. Well, when you, when you have something like that, and we have this vast array, you've got someone like myself who has lifted multiply, and, and everybody by and large now uh, is lifting raw. I have a, I have a guy right now that will compete at the Arnold in single ply. He's going to be with USA Powerlifting. Mm-hmm. But then you have someone with the dynamic of Jennifer Milliken, who is an IP, IPF world champion, and then you have you know Melissa, her third strongman contest was nationals where she got third. Wow. And then you have us who well have lifted <laughs> nationally and internationally in Olympic weightlifting. You're so it's everything. one of those things. Well, you know, it's like having that toolbox, you know, where you go, well, you know, do I really need that tool? And you go, it's one of those things that it really becomes crucial when you need it mm. and you don't have it. Yeah. yeah. So, and the more and more, there's times where we've had as many as 15 people lifting in the gym at the same time. <laughs> and... You know, it's like, what was it the other day? I have two Texas bars, power bars, yeah. and uh, an Ohio bar. And I'm like, I'll never need more than three 20-kilo bars. And then? 
And they're like, how in the hell did I run out of bars? Because yeah. they got this person's benching, this person is deadlifting, and this person is squatting. And well, I was talking before you got here. I was like, there was a, I can't remember. It's been a while back. But there's a video of you squatting. I was like, there's seven people in the frame. I was like, they yeah. got a house full. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. There's a ton of people there. Well, we, I have three monoliths, and there's a that pair of fours of squat stands that yeah. I had when I first started running meets. Wow. And there's times where there's two or three people on each one of them, and, and all of it's going. Yeah. Sometimes there are people in the back using the power racks yeah. and the rogue hooks. That's awesome. Well, I've got a couple of uh, we those rogue hooks, and I think uh, Titan Fitness has them as well, uh-huh. um, where you just you put them into the, the power rack, and mm-hmm. you basically... It's not exactly like having a monolift, but it's also not $3,000. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're, those Titan Fitness price points are pretty... Well, nice. you know, I know a I've lot of people later. have had negative things to say about Titan. Yeah. But I deadlifted on their yoke okay. 800 pounds. I did that in training for the qualifier we did just a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, and it, no problem. Fine. You know. Now, is it like something that you would get from another company? Well, the answer is no. But I'm going to pay shipping and mm-hmm. and twice as much and yeah. there's a time for that now there clearly there's a time for that but you have a lot of people that have a setup like this that don't have near what you have in here yeah and the difference between 150 dollars and versus 450 is going to be the determining factor absolutely, so absolutely. I, i've been really happy with everything now i also love the the rogue stuff and I, i'll tell you mm. when jennifer was competing at the arm last year they have a film crew mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is their full-time job. I, I, I didn't have... They were there for a couple of days. They literally flew in from Iceland just because they did a, a a road to the Arnold with Hathor Bjornsson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they flew straight to Nashville and uh, filmed uh, the piece of Jennifer. And I showed them. I mean, because I've got... I mean, I remember when they were kind of this little offshoot company and everybody's like, well, you know, that's CrossFit stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, we weren't as open-minded. You know, <laughs> I remember those days. And uh, I said, I want you to, uh, I go, you don't have to use this or anything, but just, I want you to take a picture of this and show your guys. I bought these over a year ago. I've got two pairs of the Rogue monolith hooks. And I go, I've, we have tried to beat the shit out of these things. I mean, we've done all kinds of things out of them. Yeah. And they are pristine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you That's say a lot of people, have, yeah. a lot of people have had, you know, off-color comments about them, but I'm telling you, they're change plates. They're plates. Yep. I've got a I've got a Vanco's that are that are 15 years old, and we used the rugs before we used. The, I mean, mm. I I've been very that says a lot. I really I, I really really like the product. So anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. So send the products uh, from Rogue to Barbell Voodoo. Care of Jacob facing? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, oh, wait, no. I mean, Roy. Sorry, my bad. My bad. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I wanted to hear from you about um, is kind of the middle game. One of the things that for me personally, uh, maybe for other people, but uh, my mind gets in the way all the time when I'm addressing the bar. And so I know the numbers that I can hit. And so when I'm getting close to those numbers, everything starts falling apart. Um, Obviously, it's something you've passed by. You teach people to pass by this mental game of going, well, I know what I can do and moving beyond that to, oh, my gosh, do you know what I just did? You know, and and so what is 
how do you teach people, or what's the what's the mental game when when addressing the bar that you're playing inside your own head, or that you instruct others to do? Well, one of the things that I try to teach early on is you, you'll hear this whole meat day magic thing, and I'm going to dispel that myth. It does not exist. Do I you? live by it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's that's another story for another time. Uh, but what what you find is. The, the people that are really good is are the ones that love to prepare. And uh, Marv Levy uh, was the head football coach of the Buffalo Bills that took them to four Super Bowls. Mm. And while he didn't win one, to, to go to one Super Bowl in the you know in, in that field and to do it four times as a coach, yeah, you know, with the way you have to work with athletes says a lot. Mm-hmm. And he said he said the thing everybody loves to win. There's there's nobody that goes. I hope I lose today yeah. because I love. Man, to lose. second place would be sweet. Yeah. No, 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 I want to no win. You know, and, and I I'm exceptionally competitive. Yeah, and and I want to win. Now I'll be the first one to buy you a beer, but I promise you, if I'm competing against you, I'm talking shit to you. Yeah, and I want to kick your ass, and I'll let you know that that's what I want to do. Yeah, I have stories yeah. about seeing Wade do that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, there's a question that's going to come later about that. I have yeah, lots yeah. of Wade stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but the the mindset thing is not. It's not like only certain people have the strong mental game. It okay. is a practice. Yeah. And so the, it, what I teach is when you go to the squat bar, when you not, not when you grab the bar, when you're approaching the platform, you do the same thing. Wherever you're going to get on right. the platform, you do that every time, every single time. Well, I'm just warming up at the bar. Doesn't matter. Practice. You have to prepare. Okay. And, and those things, because when you do something over and over... Like, if you're keeping your desk clean at home, if you wipe that desk off every day, I didn't ask you if you needed to or not. Yeah. That's a different That's a different conversation. If you wipe that desk off every day, it is never dirty. Mm-hmm. And should there be a problem and it get dirty for some other reason beyond your control, because you have wiped that thing down every day, it is much easier to, to clean it up. It becomes okay. a less difficult task. It's practice. It's being consistent. Mm. And I have this thing that I tell my lifters, you have to be patient, you have to be composed, and you have to be precise because people rely on feelings. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer uh, has a blog, Power Your Own, and I, and I strongly urge you to read that. I, I, I contribute to it. Um, Power well. Your Own? Power Your Own. And uh, the thing about being precise in the middle, it's, it's a learned thing. You have to do it in training. Okay. Um, and so... So is that beyond just... Say, say people are listeners who are in CrossFit boxes, and they have a strength component. And so, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, let me get back, let me get straight, and, and do what I do every time. Does that also transfer into the middle of a Metcon? I think I think yeah. absolutely because you know a lot of these things, especially at the high level, it's not how good you are; it's how you can maintain focus under the duress of whatever you're doing. Gotcha. Is that a thousand pound squat, 
or if I've got to do a hundred toe touches, God forbid, or whatever the hell it is that they do. Yeah. I mean, I watch it and I'm just like, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> I'm never going to do that, but my God, you know, that's just, for it. Yeah. there's no question that's about it, yeah. you know? Sure. And, um, so it is, it's a, pr- because the thing is, is the people that are mentally tough, it's not this tough, rugged exterior. It's the ability that when I'm under the duress of whatever it is I'm doing, like a runner, mm. I mean, there's just a point. I mean, I've ran enough in my life, not for very long distances, Amen. but when I was a much smaller person and could run a mile, working up to that, you have you learn cadence and things sure. of all that. But my point is, there's a certain level of pain. There's a certain threshold that you have to break through and, and, and push through. And that's being able to keep, keep your wits about you and keep your thought process and, and your, your ability to focus under the, the duress, under the stress of whatever you're doing. I remember when I squatted 1040, I don't remember visually much about the lift. Mm. What I see in video is nothing at all what I remember. Uh, Melissa Garrett, my, uh, Melissa yep. Kylo, um, married friend of ours, uh, Josh Kylo, she wrapped my knees and she handled me that day. And I remember thinking, okay, once I get set, she'll yell squat because we don't have a, we didn't have a squat command. Keep the knees pushed out. Listen for her up call. Don't pass out. That was the only thing I Three was thinking things. about. That's it. Yeah. So I knew, you know, I knew once I started down because squatting's what that was my my lift. I knew that was good, and I knew that I was going to have to hold the weight a while because I had that the gear on. And it took me about 10 seconds to get into the hole and about a second to get back up. It's like, I remember hearing up, and the next thing I recall is the rack command and people huh. put me in the rack. Yeah. You know, so it, it was keeping my wits. Of, you, you learn to block out all the superfluous fluff and crap yeah. that doesn't mean anything. And you learn that it's never about the weight. See, the great thing, the thing I love about the premise of strength is very simple. But it's really effing hard. Okay. Because if the weight were intuitive, it would just make an adjustment where we couldn't pick up a five-pound dumbbell. Yeah. Yeah. It does nothing. It doesn't care. It's just weight. Yeah. So you learn that if I'm precise, if I train in the correct manner, then the weight doesn't matter. It is my execution of form. Mm. You know, I, I've I've taken the time to prepare and learn what my leverages are and how I can be dynamic or or put myself in. You know, there's people that that aren't dynamic, but they're grinders. You know, you, you've seen sure. those guys that yeah. every lift, no matter what, you're like, you know, hell, I'm exhausted watching yeah. this guy. <laughs> but that's, shit, but that's just them. what he does. You know, <laughs> that's just what that lifter does. Yeah. So this person has prepared enough and trained enough to learn what their ideal leverages are. Okay. And so that's a practice, and that's what creates that mental toughness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this over and over and over yeah. and Consistently over. do the same way every time. And it becomes, because being successful is a habit. Okay. It's not something where, I mean, there are those people that we all know that's like, you know, hey, he bought Coke bottles and he sold them for eight gazillion dollars yeah. and he and he bought concrete blocks that were pink and purple and now he's a billionaire. Yeah. We, we know those people. But, but by and large in the real world, it's that practice. It's yeah. over until it becomes automatic and it's thoughtless. It's mindless. That's I know so I, I have to do these things. 
So it's not really the aspect of being tougher. I'm not tougher than Roy because I did this. What made me good, what gave me that mental edge is that I was so practiced and so prepared. There are no surprises. I know if I do my job and I'm precise and I execute, I'm going to be successful. Yeah. One of his biggest things that you hear every day is, I don't care how you feel, execute your form. Well, that's not exactly what I say. But. Yeah. <laughs> that's the PC version. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, so one more thing. I'd love, love to hear some stories, okay? So here, here, are the, here are the stories I'm interested in, and, and you, can, you can share some beyond that. But, I, okay, time and time again I hear stories about things that happen in the back room to get ready to get out there and lift. What, what are the craziest things you've seen go down to get someone jacked up to go out there and, and lift? Do you... <sighs> <laughs> I'll start off with a Wade story. Oh, there you go. So... I do, I cannot remember how old I was, but I was I was just coming up. I hadn't even, hadn't even been to cell block yet. This is how long ago this was. So Wade is there, Mike Beatty's there, and Wade's fucking with Mike Beatty so hard <laughs> that Mike Beatty might as well went ahead and just got a bunch of red lights because Wade had already talked him out of competing. <laughs> You remember any no, of this? No, I don't. I don't oh my God. I saw Mike was announcing yesterday, by the way. Oh, was he? he? Yeah, Wade had talked him out of competing. He was so upset. It was hilarious. Uh, and I don't remember... This is... I've had concussions. I don't remember... Uh, would you... Maybe you were handling somebody else, too, that same day. I can't remember... You slapped somebody so hard oh. <laughs> that I was fucking scared. <laughs> now, I am probably, at this time, oh my God, 22, 23. Right. This is my yeah. second meet. And I, like I hadn't done one, for, like I did when I was 15. Yeah. Know, Troy's. Right. Old Troy's and Murphy's. Right, 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 right. That's the first meet I ever did. And I did one at Champs back in the day. But so this is like my first meet, and it's me and a couple buddies. We had no idea what we were doing. I just I could squat. I couldn't bench for shit, and I couldn't deadlift, but I could squat. So I knew, hey, you know, yeah. I have a good squat number. And I saw this, and I was like, this oh, ogre of a man. What am I? Slap somebody. You gotta understand. You know, you look at me and you go, well, he's big. When and two, and I didn't know him. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm loud, and I, you know. Well, you were quiet and laugh like. Ever, like I would try to like, hi, how's it going? I think you might have just looked at me. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, you didn't careful. <laughs> but I just thought that, and then, of course, all these years now, you sure, know, sure. later, and I, you know, I, as I got to know you, and that's what I was telling Jacob, I was like, yeah, it's like all the all the videos I have left from competing, you're the, you're the head judge, right? You right. know, from all those. So, but that was my first. Meeting of Wade back in the day. <laughs> Melissa Garrett, and it's kind Maybe of. Maybe that's who. Well, was, what it was yeah. is she wanted me to hit her. You got to understand that Melissa, Melissa's 6'3. And she benched. Oh, wow. Big girl. Big yeah. Girl. yeah. And, and, and owns being big. Sure. She whip a man, and I'm not talking like a little man, like your, your little. No, she'd whoop my ass. She whoop a yeah. man's ass. Yeah. She, is, she is not someone to trifle with. Sure. 
So Melissa was, I want to say she was the third or fourth female to ever bench press 500 plus. Mm. And uh, this was around that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was benching at the time. She was benching either what I was benching or more than me. Right. Is, is, so she's a big girl. So to get what she want me to do yeah. is hit her on the inside of her leg, which is a very tender area. And I'm, you know, and, and, and I'm much more calm now. <laughs> than I used to be. <laughs> Sounds that way. More I was a little I more. Slap anybody I was here very, <laughs> very. I'm, I have moments where I'm extremely intense, sure. and I I have to be very, very careful with that. And um, she wanted me to hit her, and so I'm like, "All right." She goes, "No, I need you to." I said, "Okay." So I hit her with my right hand, open-handed, right inside oh. the leg. And the thing was, is not only was it a nasty smack, you saw her sitting there. Not only could you see my handprint, but the three middle fingers, my ring, my my ring finger, the bird finger, and the pointer, at the end, she's bleeding. But now with Melissa, yeah. you know, the yeah. thing is... And she would go out there and make the lift. We should have... Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had a video right now. My face was wide open yeah. right there. And I realized, oh, yeah, this is just audio. Uh, you can't see I mean, my expression is. But this is. You know, but by the same yeah. token, you know, you got to understand, you got someone that, you know, and I've had this conversation with uh, Dave Hoff and, and uh, Jennifer and uh, Laura, Laura Phelps. And, uh, you know, when, when you're that level of a lifter... They always want to do well, but someone, the typical lifter, is never going to understand the pressure of when I go out there, I'm supposed to make history. Yeah. You know, if Melissa had that day benched 500 pounds, everybody goes, holy shit, 500 pounds, she'd have been pissed. Like, the next two or three weeks in the gym would have been very difficult with her because of her frustration and disappointment. She expected to break a world record. She expected... To make history, so you know, imagine that kind of pressure, you know. So those those are, and she responded. We didn't treat her like a like a female lifter. Okay. And, and, and I don't now. Yeah. I mean, these are lift. These are athletes, you know. But I, I'm just my temperament is a little different. But back then, Melissa needed that. Like yeah. this guy will, you know. And I told her once she got all pissed off at me one time, and she took a couple of strides to me, and I said. You take another step and I'll drop your big ass right where you stand. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> letting her get too close. Because, well, yeah. one, she wasn't getting a hold of me. I'd have knocked her the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Melissa, and I think I think some of the things that she did really carved a pathway, especially for big girls. Yeah. Okay. You know, because the bullshit that these girls have to go through because they don't look like they're a bikini model. Yeah. One is it's horse shit. That, yeah. that just shouldn't be. You know, not everybody can be that. Not everybody wants to be that. Uh-huh. I have no interest in shaving off all my body hair and going through what you... I'd love to have abs, you know, but I'm not going through all that for that. And yeah. I'm not going to put on a little pair of yeah. neon bikini panties. There's no need to embarrass us all, <laughs> you know, let alone me, you know. So so you're back there. What You ever seen anything back there that went down that you were like, oh, I don't know about that. And like... <laughs> <laughs> there, there are several things. You got, got a couple things. I, you know what? Share. I tell you a great story about Steve Goggins, and I, and I know we were talking earlier. 
Um, and, and Steve was not nearly as kind to me in a podcast he did as I'm going to be to him today. So if he ever listens to this, you know. But uh, he was at, it was a WPO event. I don't remember, you know, back in those days there was the the big event at the Arnold. Mm-hmm. And then they did the show of strength in uh, Atlanta, which was a great, great place to go. And Steve was warming up. This is when he was... He was the first guy to, to hit 1,100 pounds in the squat. Mm. And uh, it was after that squat, he was warming up in the back, and I the bar went right over his head, 900 pounds or something. Dang. It just peeled, hide, and all that. Cool. And the thing, you want to talk about mental toughness. He goes out there, and I think he had dieted down to 242. Because I think it, he hit... Hit 1100 at 275 and goes Sheesh. out there and just, I mean, the guy's bleeding. Yeah. You know, so that was, you know, that was always something. I, Gary Franks, who a lot of people have, have forgotten about, what an enormous human being. I'm sitting there and, you know, at my size, there's Donnie Thompson when he was at his biggest and Andy Bolton. Yeah. And uh, I'd been helping Travis Mash and um, Liz Willett, and I was back there talking because Gary and I, the, the first squat and deadlift bar I ever bought, Gary sold to me. And Gary and I became friends, and, and we're all sitting back there talking to Gary. Uh, what is it, Code Red? The, like the Mountain Dew? Uh, yes, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. He has this open cooler, all this ice. And literally can after can of Code Red. And you got to understand, the guy was 400. He'd tell me, oh, I think I weighed in at like 380. Kiss my ass. I'm three three fucking 75, and you make me look like a puppy. You're 400 plus. And he would sit there, you know, and and I'm a big man, and I've got big hands, but Gary had these huge huge hands mm. so these cans you know look like a little shot glass he'd crack one open he'd say something and he'd drink it and he would throw it away in that manner and throw it away uh-huh. I mean now I can eat and drink especially back then you know I've had some That's meals so that are <laughs> legendary yeah yeah. <laughs> but it basically you could barely see the top of the can in his hand yeah. and he would just literally one drink and one drink. gone and he would just roll through them while we were sitting there. This was between, you know, events. Yeah. Because, see, back in those days, you'd do squat. Well, it had to be the Arnold. And I think before they benched, they'd go do the bench bash. So there'd be, like, this two-hour break, and you got all these 400-pound guys, you know, that are just hanging out. And then they'd come back and bench. So he probably went through a half a case of... Code Red, <laughs> but back in the in the early early days, it would not be uncommon for a fight to break out. There'd oh, be four or five people and just beat the shit out of each other, and then, you know. But we lived in you know nobody shot each it's other. Totally yeah. They'd beat the shit out of each I other. I feel like and, we're in Africa and the rhinos decide that they're angry with each other. Right, that's and that's exactly that's exactly yeah. the, the yeah. way it was, you yeah. know. And then everybody'd be cool, and then the meet yeah. would go on. It's over. You know, well, yeah, you couldn't do. Now, just like back in the day, I mean, it was school. I mean, you, right. you, know, you get yeah. in here with somebody, there'd be a thing, there'd be an altercation, and then by the end of the day, you're playing together again. Right, right. <laughs> so I've, you know, I've seen those types of things. Other, other than that, um, you know, I don't think I've seen 
No, no, he's right. Now I will talk shit. I will try my best. Talk you out of your opener. <laughs> Tell me about strongman. I did a strongman qualifier. This has been a couple of years ago. I had a client. Last year. A client that was <laughs> a couple of years ago. No, it was a couple years ago. It was a couple years ago. Um, and a half. <laughs> um, it was 2016. Okay. And I drove. We drove to Clayton, North Carolina. And I competed with, I call him a client. He and his wife have been to our house a couple of times, and they've stayed with us. And he and I are bourbon buddies, and, you know, we're, we're really, really good friends. And uh, I was compete. All I was trying to do was qualify. I think I'd trained for nine weeks. I'd just come off a huge injury, uh, SI joint. And uh, so I, I didn't... I did lifted like 500 pounds from the floor. I was doing block pulls to get ready, you know, and, and yeah. just makeshift stuff because I only had nine weeks to prepare. But I only needed to be in third place. And we, the third event was deadlift. And that's what I, you know, that's in, in my world. And so there's a guy there that uh, I won't name him, but he's he's a good, strong man, I, you know. <clears throat> and... Uh, I think he thought he was just going to come in and breeze through, which, you know, I didn't care. You know, we were already drinking beer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we go to deadlift, and and Melissa's over there, and Thad, Thad's the, the guy's name I was competing with. I go, Thad, I want you to watch this. This is called gamesmanship. So I called him out and the guy that he was competing with, and they... They thought they were just going to blow through, and one of us was not going to qualify, and they and I felt like they were wrong. <laughs> and so I said, hey, and I called his name. You know that I know that you can't out-deadlift me, right? You understand that. And he's looking at me. I go, no, you can't. I see you and your buddy with strongman. If they do a last man standing is what it was. They just had a deadlift bar, and they loaded it to 405, and you could pull it. You had three attempts, or no, once you missed, you were out. Okay. That's the Wessels rule. Yeah. yeah. You miss, you're out. Uh, I think everybody pulled it. Uh, we pulled 455, 495, and 545. It got to 585, and they skipped it. So the idea is, is if they skip a lift and we all go out at the same time, because they got to their lift in less lifts, they get more points. Mm. And I said, I see what you, you two did over there. You know, you skipped the lift. and But you know you have to at least be able to pull 635 to beat me. And you know that I know that you can't pull that. Now, this is across the gym. Yo, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. This, <laughs> this is not an intimate yeah. situation yeah. Yeah. where I'm this going, we're talking in yeah. hushed voices. <laughs> yeah. I'm talk They're on the other side of the room. I'm yeah. calling them out. Uh-huh. You know, and I know what it's going to do. Not only am I going to outpull him and I'm going to win that event, I'm going to piss him the fuck off. Oh, and yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. The other guy at that point knew he was screwed. He knew. <laughs> he knew it was like, not. Shit, me. He knows. <laughs> How does he know that? <laughs> so you know, they get all strapped into six thirty-five, and neither one of them can pull it. So I went up there. I chalked up. I had a belt on. I didn't lever it. No straps. And I popped it. Hmm. And I said, now you know. <laughs> he comes back and goes, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that is gamesmanship. And I, yeah. you know what? It's one of those things I, I would never be ugly, you know, but I think it's one of the things that is missing in competitive sports. Yeah. You know, I'm not there to participate. You know, no. think of it this way. You know, and now we were talking about it uh, before we were recording, how much it costs just to do a local powerlifting yeah. meet. You know, and I there for a while, I'm traveling to three and sometimes four different federations world meet, you know. Yeah. And there's international representation. I would go, to, I would go, I would introduce myself if I didn't know them and wish them luck. And then I'd let them know. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to just have a good time. Mm. If you fuck up, I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I would tell them that. Yeah. You can't make a mistake because you know I won't. Uh-huh. You know, you know, you know that may or that. <laughs> no, you know. I mean, and that's, that's, that was part of it. Especially once I got the cell block, I learned part well, of that. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. We'd be, we'd be back there because at that time, then I was, I was good at benching. It sucked at everything else. So we'd be sitting back there warming up mm. and uh, be like, you want to jump in? I was like, no, you're doing a couple more sets and I'll start. Right. Shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, as soon as you said that, they're like, oh. oh you just yeah. see it. It's like uh-huh. their game changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, and I understand the whole participation trophy thing. I get it, you know. And, and, and I don't have near as big a problem with that as I do when – it comes game time. See, here's the pro. Here's here's my philosophy. We want our pro athletes to be role models. Mm-hmm. Really, you want that guy that weighs <laughs> 325 pounds that he is being paid his livelihood. Now let me let's put this in perspe- perspective. Yeah, you're the way you interview me. If your ass is on the line and, and you're going to have a gig mm-hmm. and you draw your entire living and this is all you've ever done in your life, how you approach me is going to be a whole lot different than this relaxed environment we're in. Sure. Because if I'm paid a million dollars and my coach says, I want you to break through the line and I want you to hit that quarterback as hard as you fucking can. Yeah. I'm an athlete. I thrive on that intensity. I'm I'm going to try to knock his ass out. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to create a situation where there's an injury. But if I knock him but out, he needs I'm, to be nervous. That's right. Every time yeah. he gets up there under the quarterback, He's I want him to what? know that big some bitch is going to try to knock my ass out. Mm-hmm. And I, that's but and but then we want that guy to go out into his public life and be a model citizen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. shitting me? That's why, you know, it's like soldiers that come back from war. Are you are you crazy? Are yeah. you out of, we're just going to turn them loose. Yeah. There's a mentality that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what we as competitors thrive on. Sure. So, yeah, I, I don't why is it? Why it's just like with NASCAR they said shit on TV, and because your dumbass producer couldn't do a, you know, yeah. a, a five second time lapse where you could yeah. catch that in editing, or just mute it, you find the guy twenty five points, let him fight. Yeah. the whole sport was built on running away from the police, 
And now you want them to be, you know, now we're in the barbell voodoo Chevy, you know. We had a good day as a little loose in the turns. And we couldn't get it tight enough. Everybody's holding hands. Uh-huh. That's not what sport is about. Yeah. That, that brings us at our most basic level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things yep. that's missing. Sure. So that's, but we all thrived on that. Mm-hmm. We still, like Brent, you know, Brent and I, or, or Mike and I, everybody's always... Sure. Oh, yeah. Now, at the end of the day, I'll be the first one to buy you a beer, shake your hand, and if you beat me, I, you know, I will applaud that. Yeah, yeah. But when we're on the field, I'm, I'm not there to play around or be your buddy. Mm-hmm. I want to win. I want to win. I don't give a shit what we're playing. If oh, I'm yeah. playing it, yeah. I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was get that. those days. Though, oh my god, it's so much fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I, I miss that so bad. There's, there's nothing like seeing people break. Oh, uh, you know, we, you know what I'm saying. Like, but that's how. I mean, when when I was there at Soblock, I'm gonna have to have Brent on one of these days. But we, it was competitive every training. Day. Well, and that's what makes you yeah. great. That those are the things. When when I wasn't the strongest deadlifter in our training group, it made me mad. Mm. Well, that that I certainly yeah. admired the guys that could outpull me, but it made, it pissed me off. Mm-hmm. I, because I knew I had the biggest total, I had the biggest bench, I had the biggest squat, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I can't believe that guy that weighs 242 can pull 50 more fucking pounds than me. Oh, that well, didn't make me mad. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was a 308er at that time, and Beatty would he would get me. I beat him on Sunday. He'd be like, "Well, you know, Tuesday's a couple days away." Right. And it finally. And, but you got them. Yeah. That, that, oh, and it fired You want to talk about? You want to talk about what you. makes the sport different? Yeah. See, we don't have. I, I. You don't see it like Arnold in Pumping Iron when he's talking to Ferrigno and those guys. Why not? Everybody goes, "Oh, he's an asshole." No, he was a competitor. Yeah. yeah. I certainly. Res- that's called gamesmanship. Sure. If you're such a mental midget. That you can't fire it back. Yeah. yeah. You know, he said something about Lou's, you know, uh, sister. Say something about his mom. Yeah. Yeah. If he's talking about your sister, then clearly it's, nothing's out of bounds. Don't yeah. go fuck yourself and while I'm at it, you it's know. It's fun to do it. Like, I don't understand why people don't think it's fun. Like, it, it's, it's a fun thing to do, to get in there and trash talk and start, you know. And, and plus, if you can get reactions, oh, my gosh. That's, that's the better than part. freaking Christmas. That's the best part. I've, I mean, I've, I've How many so times, many I can't tell you how many times, but I know Roy has witnessed it. Just from being a judge, and there's always one or two people they're a little bit out of bounds. Mm, that sure. that their hardcoreness is not real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's oh, yeah. it, they're projecting it, and I'd call them out. Mm. Hey, won't you, you better settle your little fucking self down? Mm. I, I I've got a gear for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Bell tells this story. I don't remember doing it. I have this pet peeve when people deadlift and they throw the bar down. Oh, yeah. It makes me mad. I get yelled at quite often. And it's like, it's <laughs> just disrespecting. It, one is it's against the rules. And it's disrespecting whether it's the gym or, or the federation or the meet director. Yeah. <clears throat> and we were out at Mark's in Sacramento when he had a super training at Midtown. I think it's Midtown Strength and Conditioning. And I was out there judging. And this little kid, you know, he's all wound up, and he's new, and he slams the bar down. And Mark re- retells the story all the time. He goes, hey! He said, you know, you know 
clearly in speaking to me, I have a, not only do I have a, a loud and deep voice, but I have this country draw, yeah. which is not prevalent in Sacramento, California. <laughs> I kind of stick out there. And uh, I said, hey, boy, don't ever let me see you do that again. You're going to respect the equipment when you're here and I'm in the judge's chair. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Mark said he just cracked up because I. And again, I'm a much. I was a much bigger man at that point yeah. too. So you know he. That's funny. Uh, the rest of the day, he's like, Eric yeah. came up, sir. I just wanted to say I meant no disrespect. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you've seen like these roided guys at the meet, and they're just and they, you know, you missed a lift. Motherfucker, no, I didn't. I said, that's your warning. One more time, yeah. and you're out. And if I have to get out of the chair to deal with it, I will. <laughs> I've seen that happen. And then they come back to me. Hey, Mr. Wade, uh, I'm really sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I understand. You know, you're caught up in that sure. moment. And I'm not. And I'm not telling you that story to tell you like I'm a badass. You have to in that in that yeah. moment get control of the situation. But I understood because they come to apologize and go, "Don't don't apologize to me." Yeah. We're, we were at uh, north of the border recently, and yep. what is Phil's last name? Phil. Great squatter. His Harrington. name is Harrington. I've known Phil for 15 plus years. And uh, he is handling a lifter. Who is, let me tell you something. Phil is a, is a genius when it comes to leverages and, and teaching. I've had him work with me on, in person on deadlift. And, and I think that's something that he's very undervalued as. Yeah. So, and just, just, just as an aside. But he... Uh, I don't remember what. Oh, she was, she was about Heather Davidson. Great lift. Yeah, she's she's super good. And uh, she's just about to touch, and I'm like, she's not touching. She's not touching. Yeah, she's touching. You know, and I'm like, no, she's not. And so I took the lift, and he's all pissed off, and I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. You know. Yeah. He goes and he watches the video, and th- th- this is the great thing about Phil too. If he's wrong. When he realized he was wrong, he came up to me and goes, Hey, man, man, I'm, you know, I'd have meant no disrespect. I'm sorry. I said, Don't you fucking apologize to me. You're trying to do everything you can mm-hmm. as a coach. Yeah. For your lifter. It yeah. is no different than, than, you know, Coach K, you know, who I admire and respect a lot. And she's a big Duke fan. <laughs> but there's no question the, the, the greatness of that coach. Mm. But you can see him in someone's ass. The ref on the sideline, he's not trying to get the call reversed because that's never going to happen. But he wants to get in that guy's ass to get in his head where he gets the call coming in five minutes. Yes. And I said, Phil, that's not going to ever work on me. I get it. But you should never apologize for trying to get the absolute most. (laughs) Seeing everybody goes, well, you know, that's against the rule. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's nothing in the rule book. Now, he can't be disrespectful. Right. But don't apologize for trying to take care of your lifter and get the absolute best. You know, I admire Phil for just coming to me and saying, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. But I get it, you know. And that's the thing. That's that's the thing that I think that misses a lot in sports, especially ours. You know, if I had to calm someone down, and, I, and, and it happens, I don't want them to feel bad. Show, you showed me respect. You apologize, yeah. but but we're moving on. Sure. You're, yeah, you're trying fine. to lift 900 pounds. 
yeah. you can't. I, I can't expect you to be a little snowflake. That mm-hmm. shit's just not going to work. Yeah. You know? yeah. This is weight. This isn't like the guy trying to squat three fifteen, which is fine. That's still a good lift. Nine hundred pounds will kill you. Mm-hmm. Why injure wrong you? Moves. You know, you in the parameters, that window is very, very narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I totally get it. You know, yeah. anyway, I don't know if that's what. No, it was great. No, I uh, I think we'll probably wrap it up here. Um, I think we've we've spent the time. Great stories, man. I wish I kind of wish we had like a three hour version, like we could hear a few more like the stories. Have me back sometime. But yeah, we'll have to do that. But I appreciate your time and coming out to uh, Barbell Headquarters International. Well, and again, I go back with Roy. Like he said, in many many years, I was really shocked. When we were at that uh, CrossFit event. Hey, you walked us and said, Wayne Johnson, you looked up. I was like, what? Well, one, you know. Fuck knows me. I'm like, and we go and what I'm did like, I do? oh, nobody, yeah. no one here will know yeah, me. Like, oh, no one will know me. And like, I was there for five minutes and had seen four or five people that I knew. And of course, they were shocked to see me there. Yeah. You know, and then somebody hollers my name because... You know, you got these these vendor things, yeah, yeah. and I, you know, I've been there, done that. I'm not buying shit from this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Roy, and I'm yeah. like, give me a cash. Right. <laughs> and then I get the credit card receipt, and I'm like, that motherfucker. That's right. Right. <laughs> Where's the homie discount? What's that? Oh, well, I appreciate your time, and thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. That's fun. Now he's got to go eat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>Hey, thanks again for joining us for the podcast. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it. Hey, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and go ahead and subscribe. Also, come over to our website at barbell-voodoo.com for all your apparel needs. And also check out our private label where you can order your custom shirts and everything else that you need. Thanks again. See you next time.